Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Today's podcast is a little bit different than other podcasts we've done. My guest is business coach Jennifer Banks. Jennifer spent many years as a consultant with Deloitte, where she helped hundreds of small businesses make the leap from struggling startup to highly profitable company. She is the founder of the Profit with Purpose Method, her signature private coaching and business training program. Now, what makes this episode a little bit different is that Jennifer and I share a deep calling to help Christian entrepreneurs get out of survival mode and into growth mode so they can truly make the kingdom impact they are called to make. In fact, we're so passionate about this that we have teamed up to co-create our newest course for Christian entrepreneurs called The Overflow Method, How to Scale Up Your Business Without Stressing Out. This episode is filled with strong opinions, a passion to see businesses thrive with both profits and purpose, and real talk about why so many companies fail to make the leap from surviving to thriving. You can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Jennifer online at donsadler.com slash 030. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by Avada Christian Coaching. We give business owners, career professionals, and ministry leaders the tools they need to create vision, commit to action, and conquer their goals to walk in their calling with clarity and confidence. Sign up for our weekly coaching emails, including updates about our newest course launch at avidacoaching.com slash subscribe. And now let's meet Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, Don. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like this conversation, I feel like I should warn our listeners that um, this should almost come with a warning label because (laughs) when you and I start talking, uh, we were just, we were just talking about this. It's kind of gloves off because we're passionate about the same thing. We're passionate about equipping people um, in the same way. And uh, this conversation is going to be really, really lively, I'm sure. So, (laughs) so everybody's been warned. Um, Um, But I just want to jump in for those who are listening who do not yet know who you are. Tell us a little bit about um, what you do. Sure. Uh, So my name is Jennifer Banks, and I am an executive coach and mentor and trainer. Um, I am the creator of the Profit with Purpose Method, which is my signature coaching program. That's amazing. And you are, um, it's so funny because I feel like I often talk about, we live in this modern world where everybody, anybody can throw up a website and throw up an Instagram account and say, Hey, I'm whatever I say that I am. Right. Um, but you've got some really serious credentials when it comes to all of this. So tell us a little bit about your background and what you did before you started the profit with purpose method. Yeah, sure. So my first uh, foray into the business world uh, was when I was 17 years old and I started working for Kings Dominion, which is a big theme park that was very close to where I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. And it was really my 
the first taste I got of really business and operations and working with people and managing a team and lots of money. And I just absolutely loved it. Um, and it was one of the few places I think where you can be so young and they can give you so much opportunity and, and training as well on how to really, uh, develop people and coach people. And by the time I was 21, I had worked my way up to an area manager in their retail um, division. And I was managing about four stores that had probably 60 people. And I'm pretty sure we turned over a few million dollars a a few million dollars within about five or six months within those locations. And it was just a real um, kind of yeah, just, just, just kind of dive in, um, to, to business. And off the back of that, I ended up getting a a business degree from the university of Virginia. Um, and then eventually made my way, um, over the pond with my English husband and we settled in West Yorkshire in Leeds. And I started working for Deloitte. Um, one of the big four global professional services firms. And I worked on their entrepreneurial business team with many private companies and nonprofits as well. But um, a lot of private companies kind of ranging from kind of low seven figures up to maybe $50 million in revenue and just got um, a front row seat into what these businesses were going through. And the amazing thing about being involved in finance is because everything comes back to money. So you really got to see exactly what was going on in each of these businesses. And that experience of working inside all these different companies across all these different industries, um, I was really able to see from a big picture perspective what the successful business owners were doing really well. Um, and what the business owners whose companies weren't doing so well, some of the challenges and um, really just mistakes that happen. And actually some of those companies don't, don't even exist anymore. Um, so that's where uh, a lot of that kind of professional experience comes in. And then um, I, w- I left Deloitte and I went to work for one of my former clients. And it was actually, they're actually a Christian charity um, that take care of the most vulnerable people um, in British society. And they literally take them in and care for them for life. And they started a social enterprise, um, which was a, a restaurant and a few retail shops to raise money and cash and awareness for the charity. And the business was struggling a bit and they hired me and I was able to go in and really implement from the front lines, everything that I had learned during all those years of working at Deloitte. And we did a lot of work on the finances, on the business model, and we were really able to uh, work together to turn that company into a really thriving, profitable business. Um, And it was off the back of that experience. I'd always wanted to start my own business. And I just knew that there would be a lot of other business owners out there who were amazing at what they do and feeling a real calling to serve, but maybe didn't have the the business kind of know-how to really pull it all together and really create those structures and that really profitable business model and way of working to build a business that's going to thrive for many years to come. So that's how it all came about with me starting my own uh, coaching business. 
So you were working at Deloitte and um, obviously one of the premier companies in the world when it comes to consulting, all of these resources and the opportunity to go into um, hundreds of businesses and and look at their books and just to kind of, for our listeners, to kind of orient them to what we're talking about is um, there's the launch process and we've got a big online summit with Avada Coaching um, uh, talking about all the different ways that people launch something. But what you're talking about is I have a business, it's already in existence, and the way that you said it to me when we connected a few um, a few weeks ago was, you know, your business was a teenager, but at some point in our business, we have to be grown-ups, and we sort of have to take our business into this adulthood. And so that's really your sweet spot, right, is taking businesses that are already in existence and helping them scale intelligently. Yes. Thank you. You have explained that perfectly. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I like to work with businesses that are coming out of that startup phase and they are in that that kind of awkward teenager phase. I also like to call it um, the vicious cycle phase because um, it's also a stage in the business where you know that in order to grow, you need to start outsourcing and handing off tasks. But a lot of times this isn't done um, in a really efficient or effective way. And so the the owner will tend to be like, ah, I'm just being interrupted with loads of questions and this is this is more work than what it's worth and I don't have time to train people. I'm just going to take it all back and I'm just going to do it myself because it will be a lot faster that way. And in doing that, it's very hard to grow and that can really keep people small. And this is just really a phase where you do have to become the grown up. And what I find is that in order for businesses to really mature and make a really good impact and to really maintain that profitability as well, um, that there's a shift that has to happen on the part of the leadership and that really what is manifested in the business on the outside comes from what is going on um, as far as the development and growth um, of the business owner on the inside. Yeah. And we were talking about this and, um, just in my own experience, I felt like, and I don't know if business, I, I think people who are business owners who are listening to this are, are, as you describe the challenges that they face, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so me right now. Um, but I think that this crunch of, okay, I've got business coming in. It's more than I can do. Mm-hmm. I have to bring people in. I think that the actual financial crunch of that time is harder than launch. And I don't know if you agree with that, but like you were saying to me, like money comes in, yes, but money is going out almost as fast, right? And so how do we, how do we begin to, if we are, if we feel like we're at that point and, and, and obviously that's a recipe for burnout to continue to do it on our own, um, or lost business or operating without a level of integrity that enables the, the business to grow. Um, I told everybody this was gloves off. We're just talking <laughs> about it all. Um, so talk to us about what are some of the things, if somebody's finding themselves in that situation, what are some things they need to begin to be 
doing okay. and looking at. Yes. And you are, that is absolutely correct. That, that, that when the growth really takes off, one of the first things that can easily get out of control is, is cash flow. Cause if you're not staying on top of your numbers and just kind of making quick, quick decisions about things that you need to do to actually facilitate that growth, it is very easy for the, for a lot more money to go out than what's actually coming in. Um, and there is an old saying, and I just have to say it cause it's brilliant. And it says sales are vanity, profit is sanity and cash is reality. <laughs> and you can wow. have a, wait, say that again, okay. say that again. <laughs> sales are vanity. Profit mm-hmm. is sanity and cash mm-hmm. is reality. Perfect. I love it. And you can have a $10 million business making the same amount of profit or, or loss as a million dollar business. And it is really all about how everything is structured. And I would say one of the most important things you can do, even if you're not the money person, and I know that's what a lot of people will say, it's not, it isn't, it isn't me. That's, that's not my strength. That's not what I do. But this is where when I was talking about you have to become the grown up, and in a way that means you have to start taking responsibility for things that maybe are a little bit outside of your comfort zone. And the one thing I would suggest is get as intimate with your finances as you can and really start educating yourself on what the numbers actually mean. And I would, I would, and, and first and foremost is making sure that you have accurate numbers. So whether that's, you know, bringing someone in who's an expert at bookkeeping or outsourcing that aspect of your business. It's really important that when you even sit down to look at the information, that the numbers that you're looking at are, are, are accurate. And what I mean is that your expenses are classed in the right category, um, that, you know, you, that you have that really clear picture of exactly what's coming in and what's going out and that there's no confusion or misrepresentation around that. Um, and then following on from that, it's really pulling out, well, what, what are my most important metrics and what do I really need to measure here? And then you can, you can do really simple things. I mean, you can get your accountant, um, or even if you have a bookkeeper that's really experienced, they can actually create, um, a little dashboard for you that has the most important metrics there for you. So it doesn't even actually have to take that much time um, when you get the right support so that you can then look at those numbers and you're going to know exactly which numbers and actions are going to shift the needle and which ones aren't. And then it makes it much easier to course correct um, as you're going along and you will make much better decisions, much more informed decisions. And it is, I mean, you will be amazed at how enlightened you will become in leading and managing and directing and driving your, driving your business when you really understand the numbers. And I think that's a a really good point because part of adulting in your business, if you will, is, um, is one understanding the numbers, but you've got to be willing to stretch and grow in all different kinds of areas. You have to be able to develop systems. You have to be able to develop your own ability to lead others. You have to develop your ability to recruit the right people Mm -hmm. and to manage and to coach them well. And I feel like the numbers are really sort of ground zero for that in terms of, 
how do you know who you can hire and how much to pay them and what kind of return that investment of that hire should bring if you don't know what your numbers are to start with. Is that right? Yes. Yes, exactly. And that, and that's kind of, that's what I meant, um, or what I was referring to before about how the cash flow can quickly get out of control because when your business is growing and you think, right, I need help. I need to hire someone. And then you're just kind of making these blind hiring decisions without actually looking at the impact on the bottom line or, when you bring this person in, how much revenue are you expecting them to generate? Or if you're bringing them in to take over some of your tasks, then what is that going to mean for you? And then how much, you know, how, how much revenue or profit do you then need to generate yourself off of the back of hiring this person? And I'm not trying to get too technical with it, but there's just certain, it just really helps with the, with the decision-making and then you, you knowing after making those decision decisions, exactly what actions you need to take that's going to make the most sense, um, for, uh, yeah, for the, for the financial, uh, success of your business. And the other thing too, that we were talking about, because this is all numbers. And even if you have, if you're a single business, um, if you're a sole proprietor and what are the numbers? Do you remember the numbers offhand? You gave me a really amazing statistic of the number of business owners that are sole proprietors. Yeah. So it, I, yeah. So this, the statistic was around 30 million small businesses in America. And out of those 30 million, 24 million do not have a single employee. Yeah. So that's, um, that's remarkable. And, and the thing is, is that even if all of the numbers, even if you get all of those numbers pulled together, and even if they all make sense, there is a lot of emotion tied up in this phase of the business too, because you're actually, if you're, if, um, if I got into business because I really love, you know, making furniture, I don't know. Um, at some point I have part of this adulting process is that I may or may not actually be the person making the furniture anymore. I may have to grow into the person who is managing those people. And this can be a really emotional yeah. part of the business as well. And dealing with, you know, in the launch process, there's all kinds of resistance, like fear, doubt, and overwhelm. And do I have money to launch and how will I get my first customer and all of that? But there's actually an emotion piece to this um, part of business growth as well. Did you see that when you were working with, when you were working with businesses? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, because, because that's why a lot of people start, start their own businesses because they want to do the work that they really love. And I, don't think, you know, you will, you will always be involved in some aspect of, of the doing. And it's just making sure that what you are doing, um, is, is the right work kind of in the right percentage and that you are allowing yourself enough time to really, um, design, design and drive your business. Because that, that's also the exciting part of it as well, is that you can reach a lot more people and you can provide solutions for many more people. You know, you can, you can, give your gifts, um, to many more people out there if you do make the decision to grow. And I know we, I was saying this when, when we last talked, that is also a very personal decision as well. Um, as far as what, you know, as far as how you want to take that. Yeah. 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 I think that there's a lot to it. And, and the thing that I love about talking to you, Jennifer, is that there's not I don't think that there's a whole lot of um, 
resource around this. I think that there's a whole lot of books and podcasts and whatever, rah-rah about, oh, you know, launch your business. But this is this part, I think there's just not enough um, content about how to manage this size of your business well. And I know that you and I feel really strongly about this um, when we were talking because as Christians, uh, we have an ability in this current climate that we can, you know, as I was saying earlier, you can, you can go out there, you can put a website up, you can put Instagram and you can start serving people from virtually, uh, wherever you are. But if we are called to be business owners, if we feel like that's what God is calling us to do, that there's a danger in, um, sort of thinking small. And if we can't get past this growth hurdle, then I think I think the risk is that we never truly end up making the impact that we're called to make, right? As you said, reaching those not just ten or a hundred people, but a thousand or uh, you know a hundred thousand or whatever it is. And so this piece is really critical from a Christian mm-hmm. perspective as a business owner, not just dollars and cents. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And I, I mean, I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that God has that he's called us to grow, you know, and that we are Mm -hmm. supposed to be growing in him and that we are supposed to live a life where we feel alive. (laughs) And a lot of what that means is that we have to continually step out of the box and we have to step out of our comfort zone. And we have to really get used to this idea, um, of living and living from kind of, um, an uncomfortable place. But I think what that means at the same time is that when we, your, your, your body reacts the same way to fear as it does when it's excited. And I think if we can kind of train, train our subconscious mind and really, um, kind of reprogram some of those belief systems that do come from a place of fear and not being good enough and lack and scarcity. And if we can really reprogram those beliefs in us, then actually living a life of stepping out of your comfort zone becomes very exciting because it's like, right, what's next? What do I need to learn next? Where where am I going next? What opportunities are going to become available to me? And you start living your life with this really out-of-the-box um, abundant perspective. And it is so exciting. Um, and it does, but it does take a little while of really intentional work every day to train yourself and to really work on your mindset to, to, to get to that place. And it does take effort and it doesn't happen overnight. And it is a process. But I believe God wants us to live a life. I mean, he said Jesus came so that we can live life and we can live it abundantly. And for me, that is in all ways. It's, you know, in our creative endeavors, it's in our relationships, it's in our health and the way we take care of ourselves, it's in our finances. Um, but to but to live life abundantly, there are shifts that have to happen internally. And I th- yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, a lot of, I, I work with a lot of people specifically around fear, doubt, and overwhelm. And I think a lot of people are just sort of stepping out and they're, and they're dealing with that 
feared out and overwhelm in the early stages. But the thing that I think is important to know is that there's fear, doubt, and overwhelm at all yes. stages, right? Yes. It's not about, oh, I've crossed that line, nope. I've launched, and now I'm done. I've mastered fear, doubt, and overwhelm. We are continually called, as you said, to grow and stretch. And I I know we talked about this. I believe that business is a vehicle that God uses to help grow us and transform us and uh, mature us um, to be more like Christ. And also just, I mean, it's it's really uh, an opportunity to continually lean in, to press in, and to step out in faith again and again and again. There really isn't a point where we are done with that. So we've got to get really good at mastering that fear, doubt, and overwhelm, understanding what the lies are that the enemy Mm -hmm. is trying to tell us, understanding what's distracting us. Because even with everything that you know about business, even as many businesses as you worked with, when you launched your own business, I mean, you had to deal with that too, right? Oh my goodness. Yes, <laughs> I definitely yeah. did. Yes. And I was, um, yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll be very, you know, um, transparent and very vulnerable here, but yeah. Cause when I was looking at, you know, the other influencers in my industry and people who kind of teach similar things that I do, I mean, they, they've all, um, or most of them have, have learned it themselves through experience from starting businesses. And my experience is different. And I had to really reframe that because, I mean, I know I can do it and I know I can get people results. And um, and I had kind of already planned out what I was going to teach and what I was going to coach on before I ever did any research on my my competitors. And, you know, it, and there, there was nothing overly remarkable about what they're teaching than than what I know I can teach people. Um, but there was still a lot of, you know, a lot of doubt there are, you know, are people going to find me credible? Like, are they going to, you know, are they going to view me as, as the expert? Like they might view these other people because I've gone about it in a, in a different way. And I had to really reframe it. And in the process, I actually became incredibly grateful that I could go work at Deloitte for four years and learn all of these incredible lessons that I could then go implement inside of a business and see results. And yet it took a lot of these people 10 to 15 years to learn these lessons. So I had to really, um, really work on that self, on that self-belief and then also, um, come into it with an attitude of just being really servant hearted about it and come and come at it from a really creative um, a really creative perspective and not a competitive one. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with this abundance men- mentality is really think about, well, what, well, what can I do or what can I offer that maybe other people aren't and really look at how can I set myself apart, but do it, but do it in a really creative, abundant way and not, and not in a, not in a competitive, you know, kind of fear-based way. So talk to me a little bit about when you said that you were able as uh, part of Deloitte to go in and you were able to see what successful businesses did. Tell us about some of the trends that you saw in businesses that managed this phase, this adulting in your business well. Yes. So one of the main things was that 
they did not have an attitude that they knew it all. And they Mm -hmm. were very humble in realizing that, you know what, there's some things that other people can do better than me. I know I don't have it all figured out and I'm going to go and I'm going to get the help that I need to really solve these problems and figure it out and really, really become the leader that I need to be. And that, that was a huge thing. Um, and I actually wrote, wrote, this down that one of, I mean, one of the biggest things that can derail your success is thinking, oh, I, I've, I've heard that before, or I already know that. Mm. And just because now I know, you know, it's, it, it's been said that knowledge is power. And I, I a hundred percent agree with that. But then on the other hand, I think what is really powerful about knowledge is when you master it and when you implement it and when you become really excellent with it. And that to me is where knowledge really has its value is when it's being implemented properly. Um, And so I would say that's, that, that, that was a big thing. And I think as well, um, letting go of perfectionism and that's mm-hmm. also something, I mean, I, this, this again is something that I, um, have had to really battle in my own business journey is, is getting rid of the perfectionism. And when you do bring people mm-hmm. on and when you do want to properly delegate and give people responsibility for outcomes and empower people to make decisions and really have them come alongside of you and take responsibility for the success of your business and really be there to have your back, um, in doing that and loosening the reins a little bit, people are going to mess up and they're going to make mistakes and, and that, but that, that's also how they're going to learn. And so it's just letting go, um, of that perfectionism. And then I think as well, just letting, letting experienced people do their jobs and not getting too into the detailed micromanaging and just really letting people, um, just have it, have a good go and get involved and feel really empowered. Okay. So let's talk about and they, that. And they, they also I, knew their numbers. They also knew they, they, they definitely were very intimate with their finances and cash flow. So I will say that as well. <laughs> and super realistic, yes. right? Like I love the, um, I love the story of Abraham and his faith. He faced facts and still had faith for what God would do, yes. right? And having that kind of perspective. Yes. Um, okay, so I want to talk about I want to talk about the about the micromanaging and the hiring people and giving them a little bit of space to make mistakes, um, because although I agree with that in theory, hundred <laughs> percent, I have struggled with it in my business because, as I've said many times, when it's your name on the door, having people in your business that you know, when mistakes are made and it's your name on the door, it can be really a difficult thing to do. And I understand, uh, I might have delegation problems, but I understand, um, that reluctance. Mm -hmm. I understand that reluctance to let go because it is your reputation on the line. If somebody who works for you makes a mistake. And, uh, in my business a few years ago, we had a, we had a really bad mistake that was making made by somebody and she was a trusted member of the team. Um, but how do you, as I mean, just getting to the emotional side of it, how do you manage letting go and, I mean, is that a faith step? Is it, I'm going to trust and I'm going to trust that God has got this and that 
this is part of the, like, talk me through the emotional part of it. Yeah. I, I think, I think you are right on about it being a leap of faith. (laughs) Um, and, and, and yes, definitely. And about it being one of those things of, you know, God, if you, if you've called me to grow, um, Send, send me the right people and allow me to have the same grace with them, you know, as you, as you have with me, um, and help me, mm-hmm. help me to really train these people, help me to really coach these people. And, um, and, and yeah, it is, it is, it is a tough one because even if you have really trained and coached someone well, I mean, mistake, mistakes can still happen for sure. Um, right. and then on the other hand, it's also making sure or just accepting as well that you as the leader are ultimately responsible for the success of your team and you doing everything in your power to really train people properly, to set expectations about, you know, what, what must happen or what absolutely cannot happen. Um, and setting boundaries for people to make decisions within and making sure that there are those checks in place where, because yeah, yes, you want to empower people and let them take responsibility. But then at the same time, I, mean, I also think it's a really good idea to kind of put those monitoring um, checks in place where, you know, if you're assigning a project to someone, they, they know that in three days they've got to follow up with you on A, B, and C. And you want to ask these questions and you want these answers. So you're still, you're still kind of staying on top of it, but just in a way that, that feels good to everyone. Yeah. And I think that's where the adulting part of the business and developing those systems and documenting everything that you do and making it, you know, there's, um, there's the old McDonald's, uh, uh, analogy, right. Of they developed a system so that their Big Mac tasted the same in every location and, um, that anybody could come in and be successful because there was a plan in place. And then, uh, later, many years later, Seth Godin wrote a book saying, no, that's (laughs) terrible. People need to be able to think for themselves and be creative. And, um, and I think maybe that there's, a, a common ground in between uh, those two things, but um, but developing those systems and really getting as a business owner all of that stuff out of your head and into checklists or training videos or uh, project management tools like Asana. All yes. of that has got to be part of the process, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent agree. And it's funny because going, just, just going back to what you said for a second, um, mm-hmm. and, 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 e- and even with what you talk about with having that really clear vision, I mean, that is really mm-hmm. what's most important is people need to know the destination. They, they, they need to know the why they need, you know, like the, the mission, they need to know the vision for where you want to take the business. And that needs to be repeated multiple times because it, it, it takes a while for, you know, for, for messages like that to really sink in and for people to really get it in their bones, so to speak. And I think the more that's clearly communicated, people know what the outcome and the result needs to be. So therefore you can be a bit more liberal with how they get there. And I think staying super focused on the what is a lot more important than trying to figure out every single detail of, of the how. But, but certainly if something is working really well, if there's a certain process or certain ways that things need to be done, I mean, s- systematizing that stuff and doing exactly what, what you're saying, because then you've got it there. 
And we, and we had the saying at, at, at Deloitte that everybody at any time should always be able to follow your work and anyone should be able to come in and pick up exactly where you've left off and know what's going on and what needs to happen next. And putting those systems in place will just help streamline the whole process. But then you can also allow a little bit of room for creativity as well. Yeah. And I think that, I think you're absolutely right about that vision and communicating that vision. But I, I feel, I don't know who said this, but I think it's so true is that not only communicating your vision as a leader, but communicating a vision that is big enough for people to have their own vision within it. So not yes. just what are you doing for me as the business owner, but what does this mean? And, and creating those steps for people to feel like they're successful and doing meaningful work. Right? Absolutely. Yes. And there is actually, there's a business called Zingerman's um, based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a big food company. They started as a tiny corner deli, now a multi-million dollar like 20, 30 million a year business. And they've stayed local in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is amazing. And they talk a lot about visioning. And they that that's really where I learned about it is they wrote a 15-year vision and everything mm-hmm. that 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 was in that vision came true. And it was completely down to what you just said. It was having that clear picture, but it, and it, it was incredibly inspiring and motivating, but it was strategically sound. So it was possible, you know, it, it didn't feel so out of reach and so out of touch, you know, that people were just like, Oh, you know, this is, this is impossible. We're never going to get there. It was very strategic and everyone knew they were very, um, they made a lot of effort to make sure that everyone knew what their part was. And they kind and I think Ari Winswick, who, who talks about visioning. He's one of the co-founding partners there. And he, he really talks about it. it's like building, building the cathedral and showing people the cathedral and then showing them the role that they have to play in, um, in finishing it. And in really, you know, their, their, their part in that. So here's my question. If somebody's, um, maybe they're listening to this and they're thinking, okay, that sounds great, but it's just me and I just launched last (laughs) week and this seems like it's not relevant to me in any way. When do you think that people should start thinking about these types of things? When do you think that they should be creating their 15-year vision or thinking about documenting their systems or the kind of culture they want to create or the kind of people they want on board? When should they start thinking about that? the better in my opinion yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. um now i it's i think it's fine to have more of a broad version of it because it's always good i mean you're, you're you're always going to evolve it as time goes on but i definitely think having that clear picture and the more you can understand now about um, about these three pillars, which is, these are, these are the three pillars of my profit with purpose method, which is profit process and people. And the more you can understand and learn about it now, you are going to have a, a much easier time actually implementing this stuff as you go. And you can start putting plans in place as to how you're going to do that. And I think we, we talked about this as well. The last time we spoke is that, it's really important to look at where you want to go and then be thinking about, well, what are the skills that I need to develop today that are going to, that, right. that are going to get me there. And, and really, and this is, this, this is one thing as well that I've had to be really careful of in my own journey is I can be, I'm a dreamer and I can very much 
I'm very visionary and I can spend a lot of time in the future and not enough time in the present moment. And it is actually what we do today. That is what's going to move us closer to this dream that we have in the future. So being able to really marry the two, um, and really, um, kind of balance the two in a, in a, in a, in a harmonious way is really important. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I'm with you. I can, I can plan and and there's something that I feel like God has been speaking to me about recently. Um, and tell me your thoughts mm-hmm. on this. Um, it's really about, you know, I'm in my second business now. I had a first business. It was successful. It was, um, there were things that were great about it and things that were not great about it. But in that business, I was continually thinking about this someday number that I was going to hit and how would I hit this someday number? And so I think, um, that was a really difficult question to answer when you're just starting out, but thinking about it more in terms of, okay, well, how do I, with the $5 I have in my hand or the one product or whatever it is, how do I turn this $1 into $2 or $3 or $5 or $10 in a way that actually serves people and resonates with my audience? And so instead of thinking about like this big, huge number in the future, if we can figure out to your point, here's what I have in my hand today. It's like, it's back to the parable of the talents, right? If I can figure out how to turn this $1 into five, 10 or 20 in a way that serves my uh, customers is good for my customers, then it's really kind of limitless where I can get to. But I think sometimes I made the mistake and I hear other people uh, sometimes do this too, is where they start with that big number and it just feels so overwhelming. How am I ever going to get there? And it can be the same with money or systems or product or people. Like if you have one good product that's working, you can scale that into other products or whatever it is. But do you think that that's a healthy way for people to be thinking? thinking about business, um, really at any stage, but especially in those early launch. Oh, stages. definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, 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 ha- and having that broader vision is fantastic. And I think you need it. And then just like you've said, um, start really small and because then you're really narrowing your focus. Um, it's going to cause you as well to not, to not really be in that position of, of overwhelm is going to make it seem like a much easier goal to achieve. And then you just start building that momentum step, step by step. So yeah. So like, instead of thinking, Oh my gosh, I need to get 50 clients, just focus on getting the one. (laughs) And then once you've got the one focus on maybe getting two after that, you know? So it is, it is really important to kind of, to really narrow things back. And it's, and it's amazing because it really takes it, it just lifts the pressure. And I think when you start thinking about things that way, you start, it's like, oh, well, actually I can do that. And that doesn't seem that hard. And I can sit here and I can list out 10 to 15 actions that I need to take to make that happen. And I'll just start with the first one and then I'll keep going. Yeah. And being really super obsessive about feedback loops in those early, in all stages of your business, but especially in those early um, early stages, continually making it easy for 
customers and potential customers to tell you what they're thinking, what's wrong, what's uh, what could be better, what's missing, all of those components as well, right? Yes, it is super helpful to um, to ask for that feedback, and it's and, and it's also it's just another way of really keeping in touch to what 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 are my clients or my customers like? What what are their main pain points? What are the things that they really need from me, and how can I keep improving and involving? And even you know, like when I'm starting and when I've done sessions for free, I have always sent people feedback forms, even if it wasn't actually mm-hmm. a paid service. So I can, so I can get their feedback so I can learn from that, um, and make sure that what I am offering to sell is, is, is in line with, with, with what people are really needing right now. Yeah. And I think that that balance of, so you were talking about sort of a dashboard approach to the finances and what metrics should we measure, um, in our finances and, and, I'm more, I'm on the marketing Mm -hmm. side. So there's a whole lot of data for the marketing side as well, but not allowing the data to become so impersonal because we have, don't have those feedback loops. There's just some things that your conversion rate on your website is never going to tell you about what your potential customer is actually dealing with and the problem they actually need solved. So having data, but having humanized data that's actually preparing you to serve your customer and your client better. Because if we are called to something, calling is always about serving, right? Yes. So we can't serve if we don't know what the problems exactly. are. Exactly. And, and, and to your point with the marketing, by you getting that feedback, you are getting people's words, you know, in, in their own language as well. And that is, yes. that is, yeah. that is marketing gold, you know, when you can actually get, yeah, get, get that feedback from your customer's mouths, then you can go and you can use that language. And then that will resonate so well with, you know, other, other potential customers out there. Cause they're going to think, Hey, this, this, this company or this person, they, they, they get me, they understand me. That's exactly how I feel. You know, I really want to do business with them because they know exactly what I need. And you're just really creating that trust. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And writing your copy from that standpoint and just developing your products and all of that around this. Well, um, if somebody's listening to this and they are thinking, yes, I am ready to adult in my business, um, you and I are actually teaming up to do a master class. Um, if somebody has launched their business and they're like, now what? You know, I've gotten over this um, this hump. You and I yeah. are actually going to be doing in June a master class, and we're going to just walk people through step by step. Like, here's you know, the things that you need to be doing in your business to help you manage this scale um, period, because it's a very exciting period, and get people who feel like they're called to be more than just a solo um, entrepreneur, a solopreneur, to actually get them to a position where they can start being, start making a bigger impact to beyond tens and hundreds to thousands and even hundreds of thousands of people by getting some of these pieces in place. Right? Yes, definitely. I am, I am so excited and I think it, it, it should be fun. And this is the thing. I mean, like any, any sort of learning or, or growing, it should be exciting. It should be fun. And I know we're going to do our best to really present this in a way, um, that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is just really uplifting where you were like, yes, I can do this. I see the simple steps. This is very strategic. I can, I can implement this. And, um, I know I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with me, but we just want to make sure that we are presenting the information from that, uh, point of view. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to share with our audience a little bit about, you know, right before I hit the record button, you were sharing some things that you just really felt like God was speaking to you about this, about this conversation today. And we covered it in part, but I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to say, um, to speak that. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so this really comes from, um, can, I, uh, can I quote some scripture here? Because yeah, um, one of the there's two there's two passages that I feel like have really made the most impact on my life over the last eighteen months or so, and the first one um, is from James, and it is chapter one. And a verse, verse five, and it says, and if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Just make sure you mm-hmm. ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. And it just goes on to say that when you are half-hearted hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? Um, and that's the Passion Translation. And I that, that passage is just really, it has just totally changed my life. And I just wanted to share that what I've realized throughout my own journey is that when I go to God, I mean, I I go to God a lot, obviously, when I'm disappointed or upset, and I always get the comfort that I need, and I always get the love that I need in those moments and the do not give up um, spirit. But what I really notice is that when I go to God full of faith, already believing that He's going to fulfill what I've asked. And, 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 and I just want to clarify as well that, that, that when I'm asking is already coming from that servant hearted place, you know, of, of, of what, what is your plan for my life? How, how, how am I meant to serve? Um, and it always comes from that place, but that when I go with really confident faith from a real place of gratitude, um, and celebration and praise that it is in those moments where I feel like the divine inspiration really come and the ideas really come and the direction really comes and the courage really comes to go out there and take those bold actions. And a lot of times when we're stuck in the overwhelm and when we're stuck in the struggle, we can, I believe we can, we can block ourselves from that divine wisdom and it can be very hard to really receive it when we're not in a place of love. So that was just, that was just something that really came through for me, um, when I was praying before, before, uh, before we were going to record our, our discussion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would love it before we wrapped up, um, we're going to include in the show notes how everybody can um, get in touch with you and connect with you as well as more information on the upcoming masterclass. But before we wrap up, would you mind taking a moment and just praying over anyone who's listening to this right now who might be just operating from that place of um, that place of fear or that place of, you know, that just that place that keeps us stuck? Do you mind just saying no, a brief I would breath? love to. Heavenly Father, for everyone who is listening right now who might be in this place where where they are just really feeling the overwhelm, where they are 
having thoughts of doubt and questioning themselves and battling that I'm not good enough and what are people going to say and am I really cut out for this? Is this really is this really what I'm meant for? I just ask that you will just embolden them with such a spirit of faith that they will feel so empowered because they are meant, as you say, to be the shining light and they are meant to be seen and they're meant to be heard and that their contribution matters. And I just pray that you will help us to focus, as you say, to continually keep our eyes fixed on what is authentic, on what is real, on what is beautiful, on what is pure, on what is holy, on what is merciful, and that we will always come to you from a position of praise and celebration for everything that you've done in our lives and everything that you're going to do in our lives, and that we can proceed in these unknown waters knowing that you will never fail us and you will never let us down and that there is not really any risk involved when we are being sourced from your strength and your wisdom. And I pray this over everyone who's listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful discussion as always. I absolutely love just being with you. (laughs) I know. Me too. Me too. I'd like to thank my guest, Jennifer Banks, for joining me today. Just a reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode, as well as where to find Jennifer online at donsadler.com slash 030. If you'd like to hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by Avada Christian Coaching. Sign up for our free weekly coaching emails at avadacoaching.com slash subscribe. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Thanks for listening.